Tired of the same old podcasts every week? When you're ready for something different, come give us a shot. Greetings. We're technically a conversation, a podcast for curious people by curious people. Every week, we take turns sharing a new topic, and the other host has no idea what the topic will be. Our topics are all over the place, from light and funny to dark and sometimes spooky. We've covered everything from true crime, historical events and people, pop culture icons, the supernatural and occult. I like that. And legends and folklore. My favorite. We're like the Dollar Tree stuff you should know. Except completely different. No matter what the topic is, we try to make the episodes funny. Yeah, you may not want to advertise that. Our jokes aren't very good. What are you talking about? My jokes are fantastic. <laughs> hey, I get paid to laugh either way. Wait, you get paid? Check us out at technicallyaconversation.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Shout out to the 11 and a half people that listen to us on Google Podcasts. Wait, you said you were getting paid? Welcome in the Great Khan's Tent. History, Literature, and Storytelling. In the Great Khan's Tent is now available on YouTube. You can find us using this podcast name. Fear not, listeners, episodes will still be released on this podcast first, and it is only after a delay of a week that I will upload them onto YouTube. You can still find us on all your podcast providers first. Are you interested in getting the book you just published reviewed? Writing some piece of literature and need help getting it out there and promoted? Interested in sharing what piece of literature we should cover next? Well, fret not. In the Great Khan's Tent is now available on Patreon, where your contribution can help in growing this podcast. For as low as $3 a month, a price less than a good, and I mean good, cup of coffee, you can help contribute to the growth of this podcast. Every bit helps, but as always, it is not necessary to do so, but will be appreciated. Find the Patreon link on our website, on our social media accounts, or email us and we can send it to you. Thank you. If you have any suggestions, comments, or complaints, please be sure to email us at all lowercase in the great Hans tent at gmail.com. That is in the great Hans tent at gmail.com. We would love to hear from our listeners. Thank you for listening, and now on with the show. In this episode, we continue the story of the barber's story of his first brother in night 31 and begin the story of the barber's story of his second brother and then move on to the story of the barber's story of his third brother and the barber's story of his fourth brother in night 32. As we encounter and listen to the barber tell the story of his brothers and their misdeeds, foolishness, and gullibility, it is interesting to note how the characters that are central to the story themselves remain nameless, oftentimes simply repeating the tropes that is commonly found within these tales. You really have to think that the revenge concocted by the man in the third brother's story went so far just because the foolish brother did not reply when he was asked before the man descended all the way down to his house gate. The magician in the fourth brother's story is an interesting one because one would think that a person would be scared of confronting the man who was able to change paper into coins and the harm that he would do to a person if he was directly confronted. 
We have already met sorceresses, but in this case it seems that his purpose was solely to be as the catalyst for the expulsion of the fourth brother. Finally, it would seem again that the fourth brother's story would become a story within a story. However, this tale directly tells us that the people who caught the fourth brother did not believe him at all and went for the more obvious solution. Auzubillah minashaitan nirajim bismillahirrahman nirrahim In the name of God, the compassionate, the merciful. Praise be to God, the beneficent King, the creator of the universe, who has raised the heavens without pillars and spread out the earth as a bed. And blessings and peace be upon the Lord of Apostles, our Lord and Master Muhammad Wasallam, and his family. Blessings and peace, enduring and constant unto the day of judgment. Of a verity, the doings of the ancients become a lesson to those that follow after, so that men look upon the admonitory events that have happened to others and take warning, and come to the knowledge of what befell bygone peoples and are restrained thereby. So glory be to him who hath appointed the things that have been done aforetime for an example to those that have come after. And of these admonitory instances are the histories called the Thousand and One Nights, with all their store of illustrious fables and relations. Sherzad continued, My brother then left him and repaired again to his shop, hoping that somebody might give him some work, with the profit of which he might obtain his food. And lo, the slave girl came to him and asked him to go to her mistress, but this time he said, Go away, my good girl. I will have no further dealings with your mistress. The girl went off and told her mistress of this. She had conspired with her mistress to play him this trick, and said to him, Warily, my mistress is longing for thee, and she hath gone up to look at thy face from the window. And my brother had scarcely heard these words when she looked out at him from the window, and weeping said, Wherefore hast thou cut short the intercourse between us and thee? But he returned her no answer, so she swore to him that all that had happened to him in the mill was not with her consent, and when my brother beheld her beauty and loveliness, the troubles that had befallen him became effaced from his memory, and he accepted her excuse and rejoiced at the sight of her. He saluted her, therefore, and conversed with her, and then sat a while at his work, after which the slave girl came to him and said, My mistress saluteth thee, and informeth thee that her husband hath determined to pass this next night in the house of one of his intimate friends. Wherefore, when he hath gone thither, do thou come to her. When he goes to him, you can come to us and pass the most delicious of nights with her until morning. Now the husband of the young woman had said to her, How shall we contrive when he cometh to thee that I may take him and drag him before the wali? She replied, Let me then play him a trick and involve him in a disgrace for which he shall be paraded throughout this city as an example to others and I will see that his shame is known throughout the city. 
and my brother knew nothing of the craftiness of women. Accordingly, at the approach of evening, the slave girl came to him, and taking him by the hand, returned with him to her mistress, who said to him, Wearily, O my master, I have been longing for thee. Hasten, then, he said, to give me a kiss first of all. And his words were not finished when the young woman's husband came in from his neighbor's house, and seizing my brother, exclaimed to him, By Allah, I will not lose thee, but in the presence of the chief magistrate of the police. My brother humbled himself before him, but without listening to him, he took him to the house of the wali, who flogged him with whips, and mounted him upon a camel, and conveyed him throughout the streets of the city, the people crying out, This is the recompense of him who breaketh into the harems of others. And he fell from the camel, and his leg broke, so he became lame. The wali then banished him from the city, and he went forth not knowing whither to turn his steps, but I, though enraged, overtook him, and brought him back, and I have taken upon myself to provide him with meat and drink unto the present day. The Khalifa laughed at my story and exclaimed, Well done, you silent and taciturn man. Thou hast spoken well. He ordered me to be rewarded and to leave. But I replied, I will not accept this honor until thou hast listened to me while I relate to thee what happened to the rest of my brothers, adding, But do not think that I am loquacious, and think me not a man of many words. Tell me, said the Khalifa, what happened to all thy brothers, and grace my ears with these nice particulars. I beg thee to employ exuberance of dictation in thy relation of these pleasant tales. The Barber's Story of His Second Brother So I said, Know, O Prince of the Faithful, that my second brother, whose name was Al-Heddar, is semi-paralyzed, was going one day to transact some business when an old woman met him and said to him, O man, stop a little, that I may promise to thee a thing which, if it please thee, thou shalt do for me. And if you like the sound of it, then do it for me with Allah's guidance. My brother therefore stopped, and she said to him, I will guide thee to a thing, and rightly direct thee to it, on the condition that thy words be not many. So he said, Communicate what thou hast to tell me. And she proceeded thus, What sayest thou of a handsome house with running water, and fruit, and wine, and a beautiful face to behold, and a smooth cheek to kiss, and an elegant form to embrace, and someone to embrace you from evening until morning, and to enjoy all these pleasures without interruption. Now, if thou wilt act agreeably with the condition that I have imposed upon thee, thou wilt see prosperity. If you do what I suggest to you, you will find something to please you. When my brother had heard her words, he said to her, O my mistress, how is it that thou hast sought me out in a preference to all the rest of the creation for this affair, and what is there in me 
that hath pleased thee. She replied, Did I not say to thee that thou must not be a person of many words? Be silent then, and come with me. The old woman then went her way, my brother following her, eager to enjoy the pleasures which she had described to him, until they had entered a spacious house with many servants, when she went up with him to an upper story. When the members of the household saw him, they asked, Who has brought you here? Don't talk to him, said the old woman, and don't worry him. He is a craftsman, and we need him. She then took him to a beautifully decorated room, as lovely as I had ever seen, and my brother perceived that he was in a beautiful palace, in which he beheld four damsels, than whom none more lovely had ever been seen, singing with voices that would charm a heart as insensible as stone. When they entered it, the women there got up, welcomed him, and made him sit beside them. Immediately he heard a great commotion, and in came maids, in the middle of whom was a girl, like the moon on the night it comes to the full. My brother turned to look at her, and then got up and made his obeisance. She welcomed him, telling him to sit down, and after he had done this, she went up to him and said, May Allah honor you, is all well with you? Very well indeed, replied my brother. Then she ordered food to be brought, and a delicious meal was produced for him. She sat down and joined him in eating it, but all the while she could not stop laughing, although whenever he looked at her, she turned away to her maids as though she was laughing at them. She made a show of affection for him, and joked with him while he, donkey that he is, understood nothing. He was so far under the influence of desire that he thought that the girl was in love with him and that she would allow him his wish. And then the ten maids, like moons, came up with stringed lutes in their hands and they started to sing with great emotion. One of the damsels drank a cup of wine. Overcome by delight, my brother took a glass from the girl's hand and drained it before standing up. The girl then drank a glass. Good health, said my brother, and he made her another obeisance. She then gave him a second glass to drink, and my brother said to her, May it be attended with health and vigor, and advanced to wait upon her. But she prevented his doing so, giving him to drink a cup of wine, and as soon as he had drunk it, she slapped him on his neck. When he found that she had treated him thus, he went out from the chamber in anger and with many words, but the old woman, following him, made a sign to him with her eye that he should return. So he returned and seated himself without speaking. She then slapped him again on the nape of his neck, and not content with that, she ordered all her maids to slap him, all the while he was saying to the old woman, I have never seen anything finer than this, while she was exclaiming to her mistress that that was enough. And upon this the damsel slapped him again upon the back of his neck until he became senseless, but the maids went on slapping him until he was almost unconscious, after which, recovering, he withdrew again. The old woman, however, overtook him and said to him, Wait a little, 
and thou shalt attain thy wish. How many times, said he, shall I wait a little before I attain it? How long do I have to endure, he said, now that I have been slapped almost unconscious? The old woman answered, When she hath become exhilarated with wine, thou shalt obtain her favor. He therefore returned to his place and resumed his seat. When he had to get up to answer the call of nature, the old woman caught up with him and said, A little endurance and you will get what you want. All four damsels then arose, and the old woman directed them to divest my brother of his outer clothes and to sprinkle some rose water upon his face. And when they had done so, the most beautiful one among them said to him, May Allah exalt thee to honor. Thou hast entered my abode, and if thou have patience to submit to my requisitions, thou wilt attain thy wish. The girl said, May Allah bring you honor. You have entered my house and endured the condition I have imposed. Whoever disobeys me I expel, but whoever endures reaches his goal. I am your slave, lady, said my brother, and you hold me in the palm of your hand. No, she replied, that Allah has made me passionately fond of amusement, and those who indulge me in this get what they seek. O oh, my mistress, he replied, I am thy slave, and under thy authority. Know then, said she, that I am devotedly fond of frolic, and he who complieth with my demands will obtain my favor. Then she ordered the other damsels to sing, and they sang so that their hearers were in ecstasy, after which the chief lady said to one of the other damsels, Take thy master and do what is required, and bring him back to me immediately. Accordingly she took him away, ignorant of that which she was about to do, and the old woman came to him and said, Be patient, for there remaineth but little to do. He then turned towards a damsel, and the old woman said to him, Be patient, thou hast almost succeeded, and there remaineth but one thing, which is to shave thy beard. No harm will come to you, said the old woman, may I be your ransom. How, said he, shall I do that which will disgrace me among the people? The old woman answered, She desirest this only to make thee like a beardless youth that there may be nothing on thy face to prick her, for her heart is afflicted with a violent love for thee. Take care not to disobey her, said the old lady, for her heart is fixed on you. Be patient, therefore, and thou shalt attain thy desire. So my brother patiently submitted to the damsel's direction, his beard was shaven, and he was shorn also of his eyebrows and moustaches, and his face was painted red, before the damsel took him back to the chief lady, who, when she saw him, was at first frightened at him, and then laughed until she fell backwards, and exclaimed, O my master, thou hast gained me by these proofs of thine amiable manners. My master, she said, you have won me by a good nature. She then conjured him by her life to arise and dance, and he did so, and there was not a single cushion in the chamber that she did not throw at him. In the like manner, also the other damsels threw at him various things, such as oranges and limes. 
and citrons until he fell down senseless from the pelting while they slapped him incessantly upon the back of his neck and cast things in his face. But at length the old woman said to him, Now thou hast attained thy wish, know that there remaineth to thee no more beating, nor doth there remain for thee to do more than one thing, namely this. It is her custom, when she is under the influence of wine, to suffer no one to come near her until she hath taken off her outer clothes. Thou, being prepared in the like manner, must run after her, and she will run before thee as though she were flying from thee. But cease not to follow her from place to place until thou overtake her, until you have an erection and then she will let you take her. She told him to strip. He arose, therefore, and did so. Night 32 Morning now dawned, and Shehrazad broke off from what she had been allowed to say. Then, when it was the thirty-second night, she continued, I have heard, O auspicious Shehanshah, that the old woman told the barber's brother to strip and he got up in a daze and took off all his clothes until he was naked. The barber went on. Get up now, the lady told my brother, and when you start running, I'll run too. She too stripped off and said, If you want me, then come and get me. The lady ran before, and as he was following her, she passed from chamber to chamber before dashing off somewhere else, with my brother behind her, overcome by lust, his penis rampant like a madman, and he still ran after her. At last he heard her utter a slight sound as she ran before him, and continuing his pursuit, in she went into a darkened room, but when my brother ran in after her, he trod on a thin board that gave way beneath him, he suddenly found himself in the midst of the street. This street was in the market of the leather sellers, who were then carrying skins for sale and buying and selling. And when the people there collected saw him in this condition, almost naked, with shaven beard and eyebrows and mustaches, and with his face painted red, they shouted at him and raised a loud laugh, and some of them beat him with the skins until he became insensible. They then placed him upon an ass and conducted him to the wali, who exclaimed, What is this? They answered, This descended upon us from the house of the vizier, Shams al-Din's house, in this condition, and the wali inflicted upon him a hundred lashes and banished him from the city, but I went out after him and brought him back privately into the city, and allotted him a maintenance, had it not been for my generous disposition, I had not borne with such a person. The Barber's Story of His Third Brother As to my third brother, the blind man Buckbuck, who also surnamed Kufie, fate and destiny impelled him one day to a large house, and he knocked at the door, hoping that its master would answer him, and that he might beg of him a trifle. The owner called out, Who is it at the door? But my brother answered not, and then heard him call with a loud voice, Who is this? Still, however, he returned him no answer, and he heard the sounds of his footsteps approaching until he came to the door 
and opened it, when he said to him, What dost thou desire? My brother answered, Something for the sake of Allah, whose name be exalted. Art thou blind? said the man, and my brother answered, Yes. Then give to me thy hand, rejoined the master of the house. So my brother stretched forth to him his hand, and the man took him into the house, and led him up from the staircase to staircase, until he had ascended to the highest platform of the roof. My brother, thinking that he was going to give him some food or money, and when he had arrived at this highest terrace of his house, the owner said, What dost thou desire, O blind man? I desire something, he answered again, for the sake of Allah, whose name be exalted. May Allah, replied the man, open to thee some other way. May Allah open the gates of profit for you. What is this? exclaimed my brother. Couldst thou not tell me so when I was below? Thou wildest of the wild, retorted the other. Why didst thou not ask of me something for the sake of Allah? When thou heardest my voice the first time, when thou wast knocking at the door. Scum, why didn't you speak the first time that I called? replied the man. What then, said my brother, dost thou mean to do to me? The man of the house answered, I have nothing to give thee. Then take me down the stairs, said my brother. The man replied, The way is before thee. So my brother made his way to the stairs and continued descending until there remained between him and the door twenty steps when his foot slipped and he fell and, rolling down, broke his head. He went forth, not knowing whither to direct his steps, and presently there met him two blind men, his companions, who said to him, What hath happened to thee this day? My brother therefore related to them the event that had just befallen him, and then said to them, O my brothers, I desire to take a portion of the money now in our possession to expend it upon myself. His companions agreed to do the same. Now the owner of the house, which he had just before entered, had followed him to acquaint himself with his proceedings, and without my brother's knowledge, he walked behind him until the latter entered his abode, when he went in after him, still unknown. My brother then sat waiting for his companions, and when they came in to him, he said to them, Shut the door and search a room, lest any stranger have followed us. When the intruder therefore heard what he said, he arose and clung to a rope that was attached to the ceiling, and the blind men went feeling about the whole of the chamber, and finding no one, returned and seated themselves by my brother, who brought forth their money and counted it, and lo, it was more than ten thousand pieces of silver. Having done this, they laid it in the corner of a room, and each of them took of the surplus of that sum as much as he wanted, and they buried the ten thousand pieces of silver in the earth, after which they placed before themselves some food and sat eating. But my brother heard the sound of a stranger by his side, and said to his friends, Is there a stranger among us? Then, stretching forth his hand, it grasped the hand of the intruder, whereupon he cried out to his companions, saying, Here is a stranger, and they fell upon him with blows until they were tired, when they shouted, O Muslims, a thief hath come in upon us, and desirest to take our property, and immediately a number of persons collected around them. 
Upon this, the stranger, whom they accused of being a thief, shut his eyes, fraining to be blind like themselves, so that no one who saw him doubted him to be so, and shouted, O Muslims, I demand protection of Allah and the Sultan. I demand protection of Allah and the Wali. I demand protection of Allah and the Emir. For I have important information to give to the emir. And before they could collect their thoughts, the officers of the wali surrounded them and took them all, including my brother, and conducted them before their master. The wali said, What is your story? And the stranger replied, Hear my words, O wali. The truth of our case will not become known to thee, but by means of beating. And if thou wilt begin by beating me before my companions, the wali therefore said, Throw down this man and flog him with whips. And accordingly they threw him down and flogged him. And when the stripes tortured him, he opened one of his eyes. And after they had continued the flogging a little longer, he opened his other eye, upon which the wali exclaimed, What meaneth this conduct, O thou villain? Grant me indemnity, replied the man, and I will acquaint thee. And the wali, having granted his request, he said, We four pretend that we are blind, and, intruding among other people, enter their houses and see their women, and employ stratagems to corrupt them, and to obtain money from them. We have acquired by these means vast gain, amounting to ten thousand pieces of silver. And I said to my companions, Give me my due two thousand and five hundred and they rose against me and beat me and took my property. I beg protection, therefore, of Allah and of thee, and thou art more deserving of my share than they. If thou desire to know the truth of that which I have said, flog each of them more than thou floggest me, and he will open his eyes. So the wali immediately gave orders to flog them, and the first of them who suffered was my brother. They tied him to a whipping frame. They continued beating him until he almost died, when the wali said to them, O ye scoundrels, do ye deny the gracious gift of Allah, framing yourselves to be blind? You evil men, do you deny the grace of Allah and pretend to be blind? My brother exclaimed, Allah, 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 there is none among us who seeth. They then threw him down again, and ceased not to beat him, until he became insensible, when the wali said, Leave him until he shall have recovered, and then give him a third flogging. And in the meantime he gave orders to flog his companions, to give each of them more than three hundred stripes, while the seeing man said to them, Open your eyes, or they will flog you again after this time. Then addressing himself to the wali, he said, Send with me some persons to bring thee the property, for these men will not open their eyes, fearing to be disgraced before the spectators. And the wali sent with him a man who brought him the money, and he took it and gave it to the informer. Out of it, two thousand and five hundred pieces of silver, according to the share which he claimed, in spite of the others retaining the rest, and banished from the city my brother and the two other men. But I went forth, O prince of the faithful, and having overtaken my brother, asked him respecting his sufferings, and he acquainted me with that which I have related. 
unto thee. Then I brought him back secretly into the city, and allotted him a supply of food and drink as long as he lived. The Khalifa laughed at my story and said, Give him a present and let him go. But I replied, I will receive nothing until I have declared to the Prince of the Faithful what happened to the rest of my brothers, and made it manifest to him that I am a man of few words. Whereupon the Khalifa said, Crack our ears then with thy ridiculous stories, and continue to thy discourse of vices and misdeeds. So I proceeded thus. The Barber's Story of His Fourth Brother My fourth brother, O Prince of the Faithful, was the one-eyed, named Al-Khuz al-Aswani. He was a butcher in Baghdad, had sold meat and reared lambs, and the great and the rich had recourse to him to purchase of him their meat. Men of importance and wealth used to seek him out and buy meat from him, so that he amassed great wealth and became possessor of cattle, riding beasts, and houses. Thus he continued to prosper for a long time, and as he was in his shop one day, there accosted him an old man with a long beard, who handed to him some money, saying, Give me some meat for it. So he took the money and gave him the meat, and when the old man had gone away, my brother looked at the money which he had paid him, and seeing that it was of a brilliant whiteness, put it aside by itself. The old man continued to repair to him during a period of five months, and my brother always threw his money into a chest by itself, after which period he desired to take it out for the purpose of buying some sheep, but on opening the chest he found all the contents converted into white paper, clipped round, and he slapped his face and cried out, whereupon a number of people collected around him, and he related to them his story, at which they were astonished. He then went again as usual into his shop, and having killed a ram, and hung it up within the shop, he cut off some of the meat and suspended it outside, saying within himself, Perhaps now this old man will come again, and if so I will seize him. O Allah, let that ill-omened old man come. And very soon after, the old man approached with his money, upon which my brother arose, and laying upon him, began to cry out, O Muslims, come to my aid, and hear what this scoundrel hath done unto me. But when the old man heard his words, he said to him, Which will be more agreeable to thee, that thou abstain from disgracing me, or that I disgrace thee before the people? For what will thou disgrace me? said my brother. The old man answered, For thy selling human flesh for mutton, thou liest, thou accursed, exclaimed my brother. None is accursed, rejoined the old man, but he who hath a man suspended in his shop. My brother said, If it be as thou hast asserted, my property and blood shall be lawful to thee. And immediately the old man exclaimed, O ye people here assembled, verily this butcher slaughtereth human beings, and selleth their flesh for mutton, and if ye desire to know the truth of my assertion, enter his shop. So the people rushed upon his shop, and beheld the ram converted into a man, hung up, and they laid hold upon my brother, 
crying out against him, Thou infidel, thou scoundrel, and those who had been his dearest friends turned upon him and beat him, saying, Do you give us human flesh to eat? And the old man gave him a blow upon his eye and knocked it out. The people then carried the carcass and took with them my brother to the chief magistrate of the police. And the old man said to him, O Amir, this man slaughtereth human beings and selleth their flesh for mutton, and we have therefore brought him to thee. Arise then and perform the requisition of Allah, whose might and glory be extolled. Upon this the magistrate thrust back my brother from him, and refusing to listen to what he would have said, ordered that five hundred blows of a staff should be inflicted upon him, and took all his property. Had it not been for the great amount of his wealth, he had put him to death. He then banished him from the city. My brother therefore went forth in a state of distraction, not knowing what course to pursue, but he journeyed onwards until he arrived at a great city where he thought fit to settle as a shoemaker. So he opened a shop and sat there working for his sustenance. And one day he went forth on some business, and hearing the neighing of horses, he inquired respecting the cause, and was told that the sultan was going forth to hunt, whereupon he went to amuse himself with the sight of the procession. But the sultan happened to look on one side, his eye met that of my brother, and immediately he hung down his head and exclaimed, I seek refuge with Allah from the evil of this day. He then turned aside the bridle of his horse and rode back, and all his troops returned with him, after which he ordered his pages to run after my brother and to beat him, and they did so, giving him so severe a beating that he almost died, and he knew not the cause. He returned to his abode in a miserable plight, and afterwards went and related his misfortune to one of the sultan's attendants, who laughed at the recital until he fell backwards and said to him, O my brother, the sultan cannot endure the sight of a one-eyed person, and especially when the defect is that of the left eye, for in this case he faileth not to put the person to death. When my brother heard these words, he determined to fly from that city, and forthwith departed from it, and repaired to another city, where there was no sultan. Here he remained a long time, and after this, as he was meditating upon his adventure in the former city, he went out one day to amuse himself, and heard again the neighing of horses behind him, upon which he exclaimed, The decree of Allah hath come to pass, and ran away, seeking for a place in which to conceal himself. But he found none until, continuing his search, he saw a door set up as a barricade. So he pushed this, and it fell down, and entering the doorway, he beheld a long passage into which he advanced. Suddenly, however, two men laid hold upon him and exclaimed, Praise be to Allah who hath enabled us to take thee, O thou enemy of Allah. For these three nights thou hast suffered us to enjoy neither sleep nor quiet, and we have found no repose. Nay, thou hast given us a foretaste of death.
O men, said my brother, what hath happened unto you? They answered, Thou keepest a watch upon us, and desirest to disgrace us, and to disgrace the master of the house. Is it not enough for thee that thou hast reduced him to poverty, thou and thy companions? Produce now the knife wherewith thou threatened us every night. What is the matter with you people? asked my brother. You have been raiding us, they said, wanting to disgrace us, scheming and trying to murder the owner of the house. Isn't it enough for you that you and your friends have ruined him? Hand over the knife that you have been using to threaten us each night. And so saying, they searched him, and found upon his waist the knife with which he cut the shoe leather. O men, he exclaimed, fear Allah in your treatment of me, and know that my story is wonderful. They said, what then is thy story? So he related it to them in the hope that they would liberate him, but they believed not what he said, and instead of showing him any regard, they beat him and tore his clothes, whereupon his body became exposed to their view. They discovered upon his sides the mark of beating with mikrahas and exclaimed, O wretch, these scars bear testimony to thy guilt. They then conducted him before the wali, while he said within himself, I am undone for my transgressions, and none can deliver me but Allah, whose name be exalted. And when he was brought before the wali, the magistrate said to him, O thou scoundrel, nothing but a heinous crime hath occasioned thy having been beaten with mikrahas. You willin', said the wali to him, what led you to do this to enter this house with intent to kill? Emir, said my brother, I ask you in Allah's name to listen to what I have to say, and not to judge me hastily. Am I to listen to a thief? asked the wali, a man who has reduced people to poverty, and who still bears the scars of a beating on his back. You would not have been beaten like this except for some serious crime. And he caused a hundred lashes to be inflicted upon him, this is the reward, and the least of the rewards, for one who attacks the houses of others. After which they mounted him upon a camel, and proclaimed before him, This is thy recompense of him who breaketh into men's houses. But I had already heard of his misfortunes, and gone forth and found him, and I accompanied him about the city while they were making this proclamation. People kept shouting at him, until they left him, when I took him and brought him back secretly into Baghdad, and apportioned him a daily allowance of food and drink. In the Great Khan's Tent is now available on coffee. If you are interested in supporting this podcast, please click on the link available on our many social media platforms, or email us. Why not donate to our coffee to show your appreciation? Every bit helps, and we thank you for your continued support. We love that our listeners love listening to us. Welcome to the vocabulary section for this episode. First, let's look at some of the terms that were used in this episode. Harims, separate part of a Muslim's household reserved for wives, concubines, and female servants. Citrons. Large fruits similar to lemons, but its flesh is less acidic, and peels that are thicker and more fragrant.
Now let's look at some of the words used in this episode. Effaced. Make oneself appear insignificant or inconspicuous. Contrive. Manage to do something foolish or create an undesirable situation. Or create or bring about an object or a situation by deliberate use of skill and artifice. Recompense. Compensation or reward given for loss or harm suffered or effort made. Exuberance. The quality of being full of energy, excitement, and cheerfulness. Diction. The style of enunciation in speaking or singing. Exhilarated. Wary, happy, animated, or elated. Requisitions. Demand the use or supply of, especially by official order and for military or public use. Attain. Succeed in achieving something that one desires and has worked for. Frolic. Play and move about cheerfully, excitedly, or energetically, or a playful action or movement. Amiable. Having or displaying a friendly and pleasant manner. Conjured. Implore someone to do something. Pelting. To throw a number of things quickly at someone or something. Inflicted. Cause something painful or unpleasant to be suffered by someone or something. Allotted. Give or appropriate something to someone as a share or a task. Maintenance. Financial support provided for a person's living expenses. Trifle. A thing of little value or importance. Exalted. Placed at a high or powerful level or held in high regard. Rejoined. Join together again or reunite. Expand. Spend or use up a resource such as money, time, or energy. Acquaint. Make someone aware of or familiar with. Fraining. Pretend to be affected by a feeling, state, or injury. Indemnity. Security against hurt, loss, or damage. Stratagems. A plan or scheme, especially one used to outwit an opponent or achieve an end. Scoundrels. A dishonest person or unscrupulous, a rogue. Spectators. A person who watches at a show, game, or other event. Informer. A person who informs on another person to authority. Disclosure. A fact, especially a secret, that is made known. Recourse. A source of help in a difficult situation. Abstain. Restrain oneself from doing or enjoying something. Accursed. Express strong dislike of or anger towards something or someone. Assertion. A confident and forceful statement of fact or belief. Extolled. Praise enthusiastically. Refuge. Condition of being safe or sheltered from pursuit, danger, or trouble. Meditating. Think deeply or carefully about something. Foretaste. A small anticipatory sample or an advance indication or warning. Desirest. Second person singular simple present indicative of desire. Wiles. 
devious or cunning stratagems employed in manipulating or persuading someone to do what one wants. Obscience, a gesture expressing differential respect such as bow or curtsy. This episode has been written, edited, and produced by Saf Big. Thank you for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day and or night. And may the journeys on which you are set upon be fruitful. Thank you for listening.